watch Death of Superman. That one's an animated movie. But if you want to go just straight, like, movie movies, people are going to argue with me. You can watch the original Supermans, which Christopher Reeves, but uh, those were great at the time, but those were also made back in the 70s, 80s. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Meet the Makers podcast. Today I am super excited to be joined by Rob and Rawl from another podcast that you guys may not know about if you haven't seen it recently. They are on the Print House podcast. So excited to have you guys on here. How did you guys get linked up and can you just tell us a little bit more about how you guys got started with the podcast yourself? Oh, we got to tell our love story. <laughs> All right, Rob, you want to you want to take uh, this one, man? I can, yeah. I, was, I found him on Instagram. No, TikTok. It was on TikTok, yeah. Um, I started 3D printing. Just I downloaded TikTok and was like, "What? Well, I guess I'll check out the 3D scene on there." And uh, yeah, we. I asked him where he got his models from. It was love at first sight. <laughs> and then just stayed in touch, started feeding off of each other info, like back and forth. Where'd you get this model from? Things like that. And the next thing you know, we've got our own podcast started and then we stumbled onto yours and here we are. Yeah, it's it's fun timing, I think, because you guys just recently got started with your podcast as well over the last couple weeks, didn't you? Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, no, it's awesome hearing another person in the space starting a podcast. Now, for both of you, have you guys been into 3D printing for a while? I know you kind of had your love story of meeting on TikTok, but has this been a long time hobby for you or how how did you guys kind of get started into 3D printing in general? I mean, for myself, I'll jump on this one first, Rob. For myself, this is going to be fun <laughs> yeah. with us, like going back and forth. But for me, it was actually November of this last year. Primarily, oh. I'm a real estate agent and the market took a hit after summertime. So... I found a little more extra time and I like for those watching behind me, I'm a big Superman guy. So anytime I'd see something Superman in the store, I'd have to buy it. Eventually I started like looking, okay, I looked on Etsy, dangerous place, but I looked on Etsy and found a bunch of statues and I was like, wait, somebody's making these. I had ordered one for $120. I love it to death, but I decided that I didn't want to spend $120 when I could do it myself for much cheap. I thought much cheaper at the time. $500 printer later, but yeah, no. So honestly, since November for me, Rob. So I got my first 3d printer in December. I've been really looking into it. When I jump into something, I like to do a lot of research before I just, I don't know, jump into something and spend a lot of money. So I did a lot of research for about a year or so. And we were searching on Amazon and 3d printers were like 50% off. And I was like, let's get one. And we just got a little itty bitty resin one. And yeah, I now have I have six now. <laughs> oh, shit. Damn. I have three FDM printers, and then I have three resin printers. So That's cool. It seems like most people who get 3D printers, you're either like one of the people who you use it for a couple of weeks, and then you never touch it again, or it sounds mm -hmm. to be the case of all of us here, you end up with multiple 3D printers over the course of a couple of months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, you guys are both, I think you're pretty heavy on the resin side, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys are more so, mostly do resin printing? Yeah, I'm yeah. getting more into FDM printing, like <laughs> way more into FDM printing. I actually got the big Cobra Max a couple okay. weeks ago. I'm going to be doing a lot more cosplay, helmets, mm -hmm. stuff like that. So that's why I got that. But going from just mainly resin printing, making models like the Thanos and doing that to full play cosplay the helmets is yeah it's the settings are different everything's different it's a whole new world yeah for me it was only resin printing until i think i got the fdm like a month okay. and a half ago 
And so my we were talking about this on the last episode of ours is that now my resin printers sat there for the last month. So it's interesting. You go from one dynamic to the other. It's definitely a whole new world. Like I've almost thrown my machine <laughs> against the wall a couple of times because some of it, some of it, I've definitely had to be talked down from the edge of destroying everything. But it's a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm a hundred percent FDM right now, and I've always wanted to get into resin. There's a few things like the fumes scare me. I'm also a messy person. I think I'd probably end up with resin all over my entire house if I got into it. But it always interests me. I don't know if one of you want to take this question over the other, but for maybe people who are newer to 3D printing, can you talk through like the high level difference of resin versus FDM and maybe why somebody would get into one versus the other? Ease of use. Rob, Ease of take use. It? Resin printer. Okay. So resin printing sounds like it's a lot harder, but when you only have to worry about one axis versus the ZY, uh, the ZYX axis, when you only have to tune a light board versus a bed, a hot end, the extruder, how far it's going back and forth. When you got to, so resin printing is by far, hands down, so much easier. But like you said, I'm a very clumsy ADHD person. There, I leave crap all around and then I wonder why, oh, I spilled a whole bottle of ink that was open. Why was it open? But yeah, so it is messier. So if you are clumsy, just take a little more precautions. I was late, luckily able to open like a little shop over in my house to do it. I don't really have to worry about the fumes or whatnot. Interesting. Now, it seems like what's a pretty common setup for most people who do resin is usually they have it in like a garage or maybe some kind of like outdoor, well-ventilated space. Well, I know that you're in Arizona like me and it gets super fucking hot here in the summer. As the seasons change, do you have to stop printing during different weather or how does that whole situation work? <laughs> so you're going to hate Rob's answer for multiple reasons because both everything he has is in one room and he even has a temperature and he, there he goes, temperature oh, and humidity, right? My setup for my resin is in the garage, which very recently during winter, I had a space heater in there, kept it about 76 degrees. Now that it's starting to get warmer here, uh, my resin has become a lot more viscous like it's a lot thinner and i'm like oh no what do i have to do now but there's things that for example rob might not have to deal with it if somebody's in arizona new mexico texas things like that they're gonna have to deal with temperature heat humidity you know if you can do it in a controlled climate like rob has set up ideal but like for me the fumes honestly aren't that bad depends on the resin you use but a lot of the water soluble ones mm-hmm. yeah. like those are bad but for example, the ABS like that I use, it doesn't really have a fume. The Saturn II has a little air filter inside of it. And to be honest, I, since I've been using that resin, I don't smell it. Maybe I'm just used to it, I don't know. But yeah, it's resin's beautiful because you get a lot more mm-hmm. detail and ease of use like Rob said, but like FDM even, temperature there can affect it. Like having recently kicking on the air conditioning in my house, Versus like having to go from heater to air conditioning, all of a sudden I had to calculate for the fact that even the FDM is temperamental because now it takes a little longer to heat up or whatever. So yeah, there's all sorts of tips and tricks depending on where the hell you live. Yeah, what you were saying about the air conditioning, that's actually a great point. I was having an issue with one of my printers and all my prints like 
I don't know, it was just like nonstop issues. And somebody just innocently in the comments was like, oh, do you happen to have an air vent above your printer? And I looked and sure enough, it was blowing right directly down to my printer. So it's yeah. funny how just like the smallest little thing can have such a big impact yeah. on your printers. Luckily, my wife and I, we got an old house, not an old house, but like an older house. It was built in the 60s. So we got floorboard heat, right? So the ducts are on the floor. Oh. Nothing's burning up on the, yeah. We don't know I... nothing about that. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's a it, the humidity and filament don't go hand in hand. I found that out the hard way. Now that I'm at 34% humidity, Ooh, yeah. I got I started getting some bubbles. Yeah, so uh, dehumidifier probably have to do this summer. But yeah. Yeah, luckily here in Arizona, that's not too much of a problem for us. My my skin's dry and crusty, mm. but at least my filament is nice and nice and secure. Right. Yeah. All right, there you go. Yeah, people talk about dehydrators for your filament, and I'm like. <laughs> No, yeah, just put it outside. Yeah, I can't relate. <laughs> don't know don't know anything about a dehumidifier. Yeah. It's interesting yeah. hearing you guys say though that oh resin printing is so much easier because again I only do FDM and I've always been scared of resin printing, but I guess for somebody who maybe is starting to look into that realm of things, I don't really even know anything about what's on the market. Is there a go-to like starter resin printer? And then is there one I know everybody talks about the Bamboo Labs X1 Carbon on the FDM side, it's like the gold standard for hobbyists. Is there an equivalent to that in the resin space? There's a lot out there. So I have two different brands. I have an AnyCubic and then I have El Elgu resin printers. So my AnyCubic within the first month broke. AnyCubic support wouldn't help me and wanted me to buy parts from them. So I said, screw it. And I just went Elgu. Anytime I've had a problem with Elgu, they've always sent me a part right away and I get it pretty, pretty fast. So I can't say nothing bad about them. I would say, honestly, Elgu in resin printing. And I would add to that. So the very first machine we got at my house was a Mars 3. It was great until I ordered the Saturn 2, which I ordered at the same time, came about a week apart. Mars 3 was great. And then all of a sudden Saturn came printed on that thing. Having a bigger mm -hmm. build plate, honestly, for resin is so much better. I can't say enough like good things about the Saturn 2. It's... The detail's phenomenal, ease of use, but I definitely think if you have the space for it, Saturn II is probably the best starter because I hear so many people in any type of forums or groups talk about how they wish they could print more. And you just when you go small, you end up, oh, I should have mm -hmm. gone bigger. Yeah, for sure. I got that little small any cubic one and I was printing out miniatures and I'm like, man, I really want to print out like really big things. And then I got, I didn't just get one Saturn II, I got two of them. And yeah, like for, I think what, for like almost a month straight, I was just nonstop. I went through, I'm pretty sure I went through easily 25 kilos of resin in a month. Wow. Oh yeah. Yeah, what, for sure. Now 25 kilos of resin, what does that translate into in like approximately like for rolls, would you say? Uh, so yeah. So basically like 25 oh, rolls of filament okay. is what I went through. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. I was just nonstop going to town. And I still have stuff I, I need to paint. Yeah. No, something interesting that I just saw in a video and I actually didn't realize about resin. Somebody was talking about different speeds of like how long it takes to print. And somebody was asking why you wouldn't fill an entire build plate on like an FDM printer and the time comparisons there. I didn't realize, which makes sense now, that on a resin printer, you could in theory fill the entire build plate and it's not going to take any longer to print as long as like the vertical yeah. distance isn't any higher, which... That's actually a really cool thing. And another thing that I was like, oh, maybe I should get a resin printer because that's definitely a huge benefit. No, it definitely, that's the thing. I did this print for an Aquaman mm -hmm. statue and the height of it 
because I could have printed it in multiple parts. They had a couple different cuts of it, but the torso I wanted pretty much in one piece instead of having to glue the arms. Less seams to conceal when you paint it and everything. But I was frustrated because I'm like, oh, this is going to take forever. But that's because you take for granted the fact that I could literally print two of those torsos as long as they build, mm-hmm. they fit on the build plate. And it takes the same exact time versus if I were to do it on FDM, you're doubling your time if you're printing the same exact model next to each other. And it's just a beautiful thing because the whole build plate, as long as your build plate's level, and that's like a, a joke with resin printers, it's the first thing anybody says, is your build yeah. plate leveled? As long as it's level and your machine's settings are tuned in, you can fill the whole build plate. And if it takes an hour and a half, you can have 25, 30 of the mm-hmm. doing miniatures you can easily have 25 of them yep. in an yeah. hour versus FDM. It's going to take you yeah. 25 hours. See, I had initially yeah. screwed up when I got my first FDM printer. I went with two Neptune S printers, just little small ones. Mm-hmm. And uh, so coming from the resin side and now, and knowing nothing about FDM printing, I was like, oh, I got all these little parts. I'm just going to load up the build plate and <laughs> yeah. let's go. So when I hit the slice button, it told me it was going to take four days. And I'm like, wait, what <laughs> wait a minute there no and then I, I got to realize that oh yeah we got to travel all over and yeah so that, that was a big mind blow at first i can't load my build plate up with a bunch of nonsense that's the biggest thing i wish for anybody getting into or thinking about buying a 3d printer i wish i could convey more is just how long if you're doing fdm it can take when you're filling up that build plate i remember the first day i got my printer set up and i loaded something like you said in my slicer slice it off and i was like what do you mean it's gonna take three days for this to print <laughs> yeah that's that was definitely shell shocking for me i think that's the thing is that nobody talks about patience patience is key in this hobby business whatever you do it for if you don't have the patience, and that's one thing that I had to work on, especially when I got the FDM, because I was used to you know loading up the bill plate on the resins, and then they're, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's going to take triple the time. Fantastic. Oh, I'm the complete opposite, <laughs> man. I am the most impatient person. I'm patient, but not when it comes to printing. Let's go hit play. Let's go fast. Let's try to get this done. But yeah, I'm just... I'll literally sit here for the last hour and just watch it and be like, all right, come on, yeah. hurry up. You got now. Let's go. I need to get this off. I need to print something else. <laughs> yeah, your perception of what is a long print, I think, changes over time, too. Again, like when I first got it, I thought a couple hours, I saw, oh, man, I can't wait for this print to be over. But now I've gotten recently into like multi-day prints and I look back and if I'm running something that's only two hours, I'm like, oh, that's going to be done in no time. So right, definitely, like, I think it builds your patience. Yeah, you're like, you know, you got something like, three days and then you do it in two hours and you're like shit what do i do now i only have a couple <laughs> yeah. i only feel like i have a couple minutes to go and do something <laughs> yeah yeah now coming you guys touched a little bit on painting your prints and that was something i thought was really cool when i started looking into the prints that you guys both do you guys are like full-on fucking expert painters your prints come out really nice <laughs> do you guys have some kind of background in painting other things or what's the story about you guys painting your models so we both do have a background in art I'm actually a full-time tattoo artist up here at Indiana, oh. so I, I do it on people's skin every day. Okay. But yeah, that's really all the art background I got is I, I'm a tattoo artist, so it helps when you can blend colors and whatnot. But it's really an airbrush and some brushes. So I wish I could say that I'm a tattoo artist. Okay, a lie. But I was a tattoo artist for about five years. Back when I was in my early 20s, I'm not going to date myself, but I was a tattoo artist for about five years. And then I stepped away to get a real job. Art just keeps calling me back. 
So when I started doing this, I got into painting them. And I wish I could say that if you could see some of the messages between Rob and I, we consistently curse at our airbrushes or like bubbling uh. with paint. So <laughs> I'm happy that they look very well because they come out beautifully, but sometimes they can be very frustrating. Yeah. One <laughs> of the biggest comments I get from people, if anytime I do any kind of painting on prints is people saying they try to paint prints or they, they look flat or they, the brush strokes are really intense on them. How do you guys, do you have any recommendations for somebody who's first getting into painting and maybe supplies or maybe techniques that they should brush up on? So I'm going to jump in real quick here. First, first thing first, fuck everybody's opinion. If they're not doing it, don't matter. But definitely it's all just really in terms of supplies. Obviously, if you're using brushes to paint, don't buy the cheap brushes because they come in a bigger pack because that's a lot of people do. You don't have to buy top end, high end brushes. Buy like the, the medium in between, get quality paints. Oh, I wish I had one sitting on my desk here, but there's a lot of different types of paints that you like have level one, level two. And a lot of people go, oh, level one, it's cheaper and you could buy more of it. But when you're creating, don't be afraid to step up and buy that level two. Level three is not really necessary unless you're planning on like doing something really crazy with it. For the airbrush, for example, don't buy a cheap airbrush. Mm -hmm. You don't have to buy top of the line either, but don't start out with a cheap one because then you just end up frustrated. And I I did that. I made that mistake. Airbrushing was new to me and I ended up just throwing it to the side. You with yeah. the phone. <laughs> yeah. I threw the airbrush and I was like, nope. Nah. So yeah, but that's my opinion. Yeah. Don't buy cheap stuff. But that's with everything, you know, you don't want to buy a cheap 3D printer. You're not going to buy cheap filament. You're not going to buy filament and that's two ninety nine. I wouldn't. But so you're not, and don't skip on, don't buy top of the line if you're first starting out. I don't have anything top of the line as far as airbrush paint wise or anything. I get army paints, Citadel paints, and Vallejo. And that's what I use. I don't even know what my airbrush is. I don't. It was an Amazon 149.99 master airbrush and that was it. Yeah. You don't have to, you don't have to spend four or $500 on an airbrush. If you don't like it, you're only out a hundred. Yeah, once you get there. Yeah. Yeah. Once you get to that point, that's, it's better to upgrade than I bought an airbrush for $47 and it almost put a hole in my wall. Do the math is, was it worth the $47 instead of if I just bought the next best thing? But yeah, you know what I mean? Technique is all practice. I hadn't, Rob does tattoos during the day. So for him, brush strokes, things like that are a normal thing. I hadn't been, I hadn't painted shit in, I want to say eight, eight years, something like that. So starting this all over again, relearning techniques, YouTube mm -hmm, is your yeah. best friend. There are some modelers that will post like instructional videos, go watch them, learn from them. There's a guy I watched that his, his things are all in Spanish. I don't know what he's saying. I'm just watching the technique, but it works. Yeah, I think a lot, just watching other people do things, that's been one of the biggest things. And I would say it's such a blessing to live in a world where you can go tune onto the internet and learn literally anything. But even for, I don't know if either of you dabble in 3D modeling, I've been looking a little bit into that. And it's not even so much like doing the tutorials, but literally just watching somebody and understanding what's possible with the different tools and stuff like that's been one of the biggest helps for me. Yeah. I started to look into 3D modeling and I'm... I'm not quite I made there. a half a donut and I got mad because <laughs> here's the thing, right? If we can just take a rant real quick. Like if you're going to do a tutorial on YouTube <laughs> and you're going to put that on YouTube, which, hey, thank you for everybody that does YouTube tutorials. That's awesome. That's great. But can you provide all the information though? Like all the steps you take? Like I don't want to get halfway through your tutorial 
and my fucking donut look like a lumpy turd because you didn't put in the step that you did to make all the textures look the right way. If you're doing yep. a tutorial, do a tutorial. All the steps need to be put in there. And I think a lot of people are looking for them fast tutorials and everybody's putting out these 10 or 15 minute tutorials on how to 3D model. And it's like, no, we, you can't learn 3D model in, in 15 minutes. You, you just can't. You can follow this dude's steps, but I guarantee you, you're not going to be able to recreate that if you don't watch that video. So yeah, 3D I, modeling I, sucks. Yeah. I also did the donut <laughs> tutorial and mine also looked like a piece of shit. So I, I'm right there with you. <laughs> I dude, I, my wife, she was sitting next to me when I was doing it. And all of a sudden I'm just, I'm cussing up a storm <laughs> and I'm yelling at this dude and she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I hope this guy can hear me. I know he's in Australia. But I really hope you can hear me and how much I hate him right now. It's like that sunk cost too. It was just getting, it was getting worse and worse the farther I got into it. But I was like, you know what? I already have two hours into this. I can't abandon ship now. So right. I just kept going. But yeah, right. it's brutal. And it's pretty shitty too. Yeah, 30 models. I was three hours into a 15 minute video. Like, how is that even possible? Yeah, it's funny though how as you level up in things or you become more proficient in it, it almost becomes more difficult to help other people. I had posted a video the other day and I can't remember what it was about. I was like explaining something that I thought like I had explained really basically about 3D printers and somebody commented and was like, I'm a beginner. I didn't understand any of that. So I think it's like such a good reality check that, you know, sometimes when you're posting stuff like that, what you might think is like simple and broken down there's so many additional steps in there that for somebody who's truly like brand new to it it's like really good to explain in depth no yeah i think that's that might be part of the misstep that you're talking about rob because so for example rob actually got me on to hooking up the fdm to a mm -hmm. orange pie to get octoprint on it and all that and to me it was it might as well have been <laughs> chinese i was like what the fuck are you talking about and for him, it was like, yeah, it's easy. And I'm just like, wait, man, hold on. I'm getting a headache. But I think that's one of those things where it's once you know it, for people that are just in the beginning, I think that now I could tell somebody how to do resin prints, no problem. But in the beginning, somebody would say something to me that I understand now. And I'm like, nope, don't get it. Yeah, mm -hmm. funny you mentioned that because a lot of people talk about raspberry pies or orange pies. And I remember the first time I got that comment, I was like, what does what do pies have to do with this? I asked him <laughs> the same thing. I was like, orange pie. I was like, what the fuck is that? <laughs> Maybe for if anybody out there is in that boat and they're wondering why we're talking about dessert right now, can one of you touch on what like Octoprint and, and orange pie or raspberry pie is? Rob, this is all you, buddy. Octoprint is a plugin that you can install on a Raspberry Pi, or we use orange pie because <clears throat> you can't get a Raspberry Pi for under hundred bucks anymore. So you can get a, an orange pie, which is just a little mini computer, and that controls my printer now. So now I don't have to take a SD card and walk to my printer and plug it in. It's really just a lazy man switch, honestly, if we get down to it. It's just I can now print from the computer and send everything to the computer, through the computer to, to it. See, but I'm going to disagree with you there, because the one thing that I think is invaluable to me is the fact that you can monitor your prints because if you have a failed print if you're just doing the sd card you stick it in you, you go off and do your thing and you come back to spaghetti yeah you couldn't have done anything and you wasted a bunch of filament but now i can literally pull up my phone go hey you know what it's failing right Cancel. yeah yeah still sucks that it failed but it gives you the ability to monitor in real time i think that part of it is in, like coming from like a real estate mindset of where your time is very valuable right 
So any time that I can save and any resources I can save, even if it's 400 millimeters of filament, it's still valuable. So I think that part of it right there is key because yes, lazy man's way of printing, absolutely. But valuable time saver, yes. True, very true. And that's an Octo Pie and the Orange Pies. That's how we, or Octo Print, sorry. That's how we, that's how we do the time lapses of the FDM printers and whatnot. It's, and it's good for calibration tools too. You can do e-step calibrations. That's what I'm doing now or what I've been doing all day. And then you can do like your PID auto tunes and stuff like that straight through OptoPrint. So you don't have to plug the computer, plug it into the computer, plug it into the printer and do it like that. Yeah. It's a quality of life thing, but when you first get it and you first use it for the first couple of weeks, really, honestly, it was just my lazy man switch. Like I just was in the other room and I didn't want to have to go do anything. I just <laughs> put it, drug everything over and just hit print. And I was like, well, oh, I don't have to look at it no more. I can completely feel you yeah. on that. I've never used the Octoprint, but I had the Creality Sonic Pad on my printers for a while setup, which if you're not familiar, it's a really similar thing that uses Clipper and same thing you can monitor, you can upload from your computer. And it was exactly that for me. It sounds so stupid, but just having to go to my computer, put the SD card in, take it out, go back to my printer, it felt like forever. But I think it's a similar thing with Octoprint where you can, like you said, you can monitor, you can do the virtual prints. I'm not sure if it has the ability to look more into the G-code or things like that, kind of like Clipper does, but it's it seems like one of those applications that the more you want to do with it, the more flexibility you have, which I think is a really great thing for a lot of people. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Even just the ease of use. So I, had a, I was off doing my thing at an appointment and a print failed. My wife was home. I had her pull the print off and I had another print that I needed to print that oh, I already nice. sliced and it was loaded up in Octo print files and I started it and I was off at an appointment. Like they, nobody had any idea what I was doing and I'm sitting here getting ready to print the next thing. It's a beautiful thing. So yeah, I'm doing business and doing business at the same time. Yeah, that's cool. Now, both of you guys have Etsy shops. How has that kind of been going with 3D printing? Is that something you guys are newer to doing or have you done Etsy before? So I've never done anything with Etsy ever, and it has been one of the most challenging things I've ever done in my entire life. Yeah, right there with you. My wife had an Etsy shop back five or six years ago, but it was my wife's and I didn't have anything to do with it. I started one just because I was like, yeah, I bought one on Etsy. I think other people want to buy this on Etsy. And it's frustrating. It's easy to set up. Like, and you set it up and it just goes, but it has its good moments. It has its bad moments. But yeah, you have an Etsy store too as well. So yeah, I don't do Etsy for 3D printing. Actually, back in the day, I used to do Etsy for houseplants. I had sold a bunch of houseplants on there. So I don't do that anymore. That houseplants is actually, that's how I got into 3D printing in general. I had the idea that I was going to get 3D printers and I was going to make plant pots to sell at my Etsy store as well, which I never ended up doing. But yeah, I, I did Etsy and it's definitely something that it takes a while to get acclimated into it. And like you said, the setup is easy, but you can man, you can spend forever trying to optimize things and get traffic and mm -hmm. all that stuff. For you guys is the podcast, would you consider that something that you're using as like a tool to help leverage driving traffic to Etsy? Or is it kind of something for you guys that's just like a fun way to hang out and make content together? A little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Honestly, it's, and I'll just say this. So marketing, obviously, if you want to get people to follow you or just build a community, Obviously, a podcast is a great way to do 3D printing. is a really cool community as it is. There's a few trolls here and there, but there's not as many as other community. Like Rob and I were talking about the tattoo community. It's pretty vicious. <laughs> we both don't necessarily like the tattoo community because 
not to speak on every artist, but there's a lot of viciousness and backstabbing and tattooing. 3D print, printing community seems pretty good. And just being around people that like to do the same thing you do and being able to help or just feed off of each other. That's what Rob and I did. That's how we met is just, hey, man, what are you doing with this? Because I'm having trouble with that. Or how do you fix this? And just building that kind of support system for hobby slash business slash whatever it is yeah the 3d printing community this is but like anyone that i've come on had come on here and talk about this and i mean that even just like getting started with this podcast it was like overwhelming how many people were like anything i can do to help you yes i'll come on it was really cool but it 3d printing in general it's i say this every time it's literally the greatest online community i've ever encountered of people and just everybody is so happy to help whatever obscure problem you have with your printers and I truly don't think I would have gotten as far into 3D printing as I have if it wasn't for everybody online helping me troubleshoot all my prints constantly. Yeah, I agree. It's And that's the thing is that I, even though, I think Rob, you said you started yeah. in December, right? Yeah. I started before him like a month and I was coming to him for questions and I'm like, hey, how did you figure this out? And just feeding off of each other. He pointed me out to a couple Discord channels. And for the most part, whenever I post in any of the Discords, I get a reasonable result. You'll get the occasional guys. You're, you're yeah, don't play yeah, leveled. Yeah. yeah, dumbass. It's leveled. That, that's, that was step one. So when the phone guys tell you, hey, did you restart <laughs> your phone? No, I didn't think of that. But no, the community is great. When starting the podcast, really, to help people and build that community further, yeah, it's just it's a lot of fun. And the bullshit. Just hang out and yeah. bullshit. And make fun of people like senators that say tic tac. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely been a fun time to just like I said, come on and talk to different people and everything that's going on with tic tac or TikTok. It's uh it's definitely I think a interesting time to branch out onto different platforms and hopefully everything stays online with TikTok, but I guess we'll see what happens. Now for you guys setting up the podcast, that's another thing I hear from a lot of people as I started to talk about it online was a lot of people want to get into it, but they aren't really sure how they've never done it. Did you guys have experience doing a podcast before and how was kind of the process of getting this all set up for you guys going? I had none I, I, and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> Rob, he just jumps on the links. He does it all. So I, I had a podcast with my son about a year and a half ago. And we were doing it pretty regularly, but then life just happened and him and I had to step away from that. So that kind of gave me the insight and how to set it up, how to start it. Really, to be honest with you, it's not super difficult. It's just finding the right platforms. We use the same platform, which is Riverside. Great platform to use. Ease of use is there to get it out to the different directories or podcast platforms. Um, I don't know what you'll use, but we use yeah, Buzzsprout. And... Yeah, it's really easy. The biggest thing is having the confidence to put it out there. And I like to tell everybody, yes, for example, so here we are on another 3D printing podcast doing a guest spot, right? Which means, oh, there's another podcast about 3D printing. Okay, so there's going to be people that love your message and what you're saying and how you're saying it, how you come across everybody's individual voice or their approach to something is going to fit somebody's needs or their want. Hey, I'm trading my time to listen to you or watch you. Don't be afraid to put yourself out there. And as long as you're providing value, and I think that's the big thing is anybody can do a podcast or a YouTube channel for if they want a little bit of their 15 minutes of fame. But I think that if you're doing it with the intention to mm -hmm. provide value and help other people, 
I think that's where you win. Yeah, absolutely. I think trying to go into it with the mindset of like, where can I provide value? Where can I stand out of what already exists is a really important thing. And like you were saying, we both have a podcast that kind of touches on topics of 3D printing, but I guarantee you our your podcast versus what we talk about here, you could leave in two completely different worlds and it'll resonate with two completely different people. So I think that's another big thing if you're out there and maybe your thing isn't 3D printing, but if it's shoes or if it's plants or whatever your thing is, don't be afraid if you see somebody else doing it or there being other people who are already in that space to have your own unique voice because I think there's always going to be something that you bring that's a little different to the table that people resonate with. Wait, you guys... Exactly. You guys aren't aren't in this for the money? Wait, what? (laughs) (laughs) Hold on. Cut the cameras. Cut the cameras. It's actually completely why we're in it. (laughs) I'm in the... I gotta go. (laughs) So there was a... I don't remember the exact quote, but there was somebody that said something about... The voice you have today is the voice that some 16, 17-year-old version of you needed, you know? And there is that version of you out there somewhere that still needs it. It could be as simple as 3D printing. There's, I know, I forget his name, but there's a kid that I follow on TikTok, for example. He's probably like 13, 14 years old and just posts his stuff on there. And I'm like, dude, kid, go, do your thing. Like, you're, in, he's running into issues, all this, but he's putting himself out there and... He's part of the community. He might be somebody that's affected by the fact that a simple conversation about, yeah, hey, I'm having all these failures. I figured this out. It might help him in his journey and his path. So I think it's just uh, value is the big thing. If you get money for it, great. If not, well, not so great. Life is life. Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said a lot about you never know who needs to hear what you have to say. And I think that goes back to of not being afraid to share the good things and the bad things. I think for a lot of people, that's like a big thing I find people say as well is I'll, I post a lot of my prints. So like, I'm still, I'm not good at printing. I still fuck shit up all the time. And every time I do though, people will come and they're like, oh my God, I had the same thing happen. Or it's, it's good to see that it's not just me who's having these problems. So I think that's another thing is not being like, Feeling like you have to wait until you're an expert at something to put yourself out there and get on the internet and talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. We, and that's I think that's thing. why we started what we did because there's a lot of information out there and there's a lot of places to go get that information, but it's hard to find it. It's, and it's not that it's being guarded or kept secret. It's just you have to really, this, this isn't, it's not new. 3D printing is not new. But the hobbyist 3D printing is relatively coming into form. Three years ago, we didn't have 400 by 400 by 450 machines. We couldn't print up a whole breastplate of Mandalorian armor on one machine. So it's definitely going fast. And the faster that it evolves, the more information and the potential misinformation out there about 3D printing is going to come out. So... I think that's why we did what we did to help give those the information out where it needs to be. And we do a lot more setting stuff. We don't, we're not a fun podcast. <laughs> Speak for we, yourself, we, asshole. We, for the most part, we, we dive deep into settings and what those do and how those are going to affect your prints and whatnot. And then showcase what we can do on YouTube and whatnot with our friends in the settings that we. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's another thing that it's it feels like such a need in the space right now. I know again for me when I first was getting into it, there was so many situations and there's just so many things you can tweak with your 3D printers where 
it would be like one thing that I was trying to focus in on. And like you said, there's not always as much information about it as you would hope out there on the internet. It's really cool for you guys to be putting that out there and having just more information for people to be able to go to one centralized space and find that. So that's super cool. Yeah. And I got to point out one gem that I got from your first episode. So I was listening to the episode and when Mr. Alto was talking about how he had to change the mm. dimensions of the suit, I'm thinking to myself, great, you see all these guys that go to comic cons and the suits look yeah. like clean, but you don't think about the fact that if your body isn't shaped like the cartoon character, which they designed these suits off of, you have to alter that. And the fact that he addressed that, like that was, to me, that was actually priceless because I'm a big dude. I'm six foot two. Like I'm big. For me to even make any type of cosplay stuff, I like I didn't even think about that till he said it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, because I would never fit my <laughs> giant ass in an Iron Man suit. <laughs> Rob on the other no, hand, he'd hey, be okay. I did that, all right? I made a, uh, an Iron Man helmet, okay? And it was... Oh, yeah, too small. it was like full size. And I'm like, I got a little head. I'm only 5'6". I made <laughs> maybe 100 pounds, if that. I'm joking. I'm like 103. But I'm a small guy, right? <laughs> so I'm like thinking to myself, I'll just go down to 75%. And I'm 75% of a normal dude anyway, so that should work. <laughs> yeah, it wouldn't even fit a small child. Like, it might fit a small dog. <laughs> but yeah, it's way too small. So it's just... I'm just chilling over here now. Yeah, I was I was glad he said that. It was one of those things. I've never done like cosplay or I've never built a full suit of anything, but uh, I never would have thought that until he said it. I was, he, he was like really transparent about it. And yeah. it's just one of those things. It's so many pieces that you never think of until you get into it. And I it, probably, if I was going to build myself a helmet like you, Rob, or something like that, I probably just would have built the default size and not thought about the fact that, hey, my body isn't the same size as what these cartoon characters are meant to be. So yeah, that was a really interesting point that he made there. Yeah. I love that he pointed that out. I was like, oh, okay, wait. Yeah. Now, I'm so out of the realm of this. I've This topic has come up in almost every episode so far. I've never seen a Marvel movie. I've never seen a DC movie. I'm like, I'm so out of touch. I know. Yeah, I know. It's what? shocking to everyone. But uh, I, I don't have a horse in this game, but it's... That's it. It's time to <laughs> I know. Check it out. Check it out. I don't have a horse in this game, but it seems like, Rob, you're more so on the Marvel side and Raul, you're on the DC side. Is that is that correct or am I misunderstanding I mean, ish, that? Ish. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm a big fan of Star Wars. Actually, most of my tattoos are all Star Wars related, except for a handful. And then I'm a big Marvel fan. I grew up on the comic books, Wolverine, X Men, stuff like that. So, yeah. See, and I'm very so much so DC, um, even though they more suck. so like Superman. We've had this debate, right? So, Marvel is the ripoff of DC and all the characters. Like every character has an origin in DC. And Marvel, for example, I will give them the props that they need and they deserve. Their first few years of movies, like the Iron Man all the way up until Endgame, phenomenal movies. But after that, it's definitely gone downhill. I am. I don't know if anybody else is, if you guys have heard of it or anything, but the whole Restore the Snyderverse movement that originally had Zack Snyder directing a bunch of DC movies like Man of Steel and all that. I am definitely 100% behind that. I love the way that he portrayed the character. I grew up, so I originally was born in Mexico City and moved here when I was five. Didn't speak English, so I related to that whole alien kind of feel. And so Superman was also dark hair, light skinned like me. And so I connected with Superman really well, and it never left. And so now I'm like, yeah, screw, screw Marvel. I don't, their movies are <laughs> crap now. But in all fairness, DCs are going downhill too. But yeah, I just like their characters more. Their originality. The coolest, I will say, the coolest two characters that I like from Marvel 
are probably Hulk, because I related to him when I used to drink tequila, and then Spider-Man, because I always wanted to be super skinny and be able to whip around like him, but never was going to happen. Yeah. Interesting. Is Marvel, would you say, more like a, I guess it seems more family friendly, whereas DC's maybe a little darker? Is that, would that be an accurate? No. No? <laughs> yeah. No. So, so I will say in DC is more, they're more, I don't even know how to say it. They, they tend to go to the boundary more. Okay. The Killing Joke is a, is actually a, a prime example of that. That's actually a rated R graphic novel, comic book, and that dives into some really dark topics. Whereas the Marvel Universe probably would never, ever go that way. However, there is a bunch of killing always in Marvel comic books. There's, yeah, DC goes darker. Well, you, take a look at, you take a look at the difference between X-Men that we grew up in the 90s, right? So X-Men, the cartoons very family-friendly kid show like cartoon of course it's superheroes and i always struggle with the argument that superheroes and violence and all that people like what are superheroes supposed to do like they're supposed to defend and protect and all this stuff so yeah people are going to get killed and whatever but you have that version of like x-men and like wolverine and then you have logan which you know you really should watch some of these movies (laughs) just saying but you have logan for example that movie was phenomenally like done in the aspect that it was realistic. It put Wolverine into a real-life type of, like, world and real-life consequences. Spoiler alert, he dies. And it put it into real context, where DC, for example, like, for example, the Zack Snyder's Justice League version, that movie ended up being rated R in four hours. But it puts your superheroes into context of what would superheroes be like if they were in real life, And it all depends on the director, the storyteller. DC is definitely willing to go a little bit darker. A lot of their characters do have a no-kill rule, but it's easily bent, and there's a lot of arguing online about it. But I will always say that DC is definitely 10 times better than Marvel, and I will die on that hill. My sword is firmly (laughs) staked on that hill. Yeah. The final question I'll leave on that note then. There is there a top maybe one to three Marvel movies and top one to three DC movies that I should start out with as somebody who's new? Ooh. What do you think for the Marvel, Rob? What do you give her for Marvel? I mean, so I'm you I should watch Agents of Shield, which is a TV show, which is phenomenal. And then uh, as far as the movies go though, I would probably say you need to watch Infinity War and Endgame. Okay. You gotta watch those two. And then I would say Doctor Strange, either mm-hmm. the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah, yeah, probably the Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. That's a good one. I wouldn't have suggested the last one. I actually hated the last one, but I like the first Doctor Strange better. For DC, I definitely think it depends. If you want to go animated, watch Death of Superman. That one's an animated movie. But if you want to go just straight like movie movies, and I'm, people are going to argue with me. You can watch the original Supermans, which Christopher Reeves, but those were great at the time, but those were also made back in the 70s, 80s. For modern, I would definitely watch Man of Steel, Batman versus Superman. But with that one, you have to watch the extended cut, not the theatrical release, because they cut out 30 minutes. That's super important. And then don't ever watch Justice League with Superman in the red suit or the blue, red and blue suit. Because that version sucks. I would definitely watch Zack Snyder's Justice League, but make sure that you like pause it halfway because it's four oh, hours. Well, I, so, <laughs> it's well it worth sounds it. like I have a lot of homework. That I 
every time I get off one of these podcasts, I'm like, I need to officially do it so I can have some kind of background in all of this. But all right, wait. So I have to ask before we jump off. Then, what type of movies do you? I, you watch? know, I'm not a big movie person, honestly. I like the my only genre of movies that I'd say I'm really like well versed in is like around 2008, like comedies. Anything in there, I could quote know everything. Aside from that, I'm not a huge movie person. I don't know, but. Yeah, it seems to be a big portion of everyone who 3D prints is like, seems to be very into the Marvel DC realm. So something I've been curious about. And that's why we get into all the printing of parts and statues and all that, I think. For sure. It was awesome getting to talk to you guys a little more about your backgrounds and resin printing and all that stuff. For people who want to keep up with you guys, keep up with the podcast, where can people find you guys online? Um, you can find me at Meadows or Meadows Print Crafters on the Tickety Fox. And then online Instagram as well. I probably won't go to Facebook. I'll just be honest with you. Everybody's, oh, make a Facebook page. Uh, no, I'm cool. I'm not a social media kind of person. Even with my tattoos, I don't post any. I don't. I, I, I should, but I just, I, I don't. I hate social media. Like, too. It's just way of here. I'm. I, I won't. I'm almost forty. So I'm just. I'm over it. Like. <laughs> I did all that shit. I had the MySpace back in the day. I'm just over social media and all the BS that it causes. But yeah, I'm on those two platforms and then Etsy, I'm on that too. So oh, for me, unfortunately, both of my businesses, I have to be on social media. So I have the Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter too. And yeah, Fortress Sculptures. Uh, and yeah, guys, we also have the Print House podcast. We don't have any socials set up for that yet, but they can find us Apple Podcast. We have a YouTube now. The, uh -huh. We do have the YouTube as well. Yeah, that that just got set up, and we definitely have to get you a guest on our show. So we'll try and set that up here. And uh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, we'd love to come on the podcast. With that all said, thank you guys so much again for coming on. It was a pleasure talking to you. And with that said, that is the Meet the Makers podcast today. Yeah.